five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. And here we go. Let's go over to Tom Fishburn, my buddy who inspires me every week. Brand fatigue and brand consistency. And it probably should be labeled marketing fatigue. <laughs> because most of the time, well, here, let's read it. It's time for a new campaign. I'm tired of seeing this one. It has totally run its course. Let's retire this campaign now. But we haven't even run it yet. <laughs> Let's also change our packaging logo and agency. Right. And, of course, the trouble is that to the extent that you've done a good job with your brand, you know, maybe, maybe it's what customers look for. Maybe it's what's been riveted into their brain and you need to leave it alone. But marketing people and, you know, we had this trouble with catalogs and, uh, you know, I had a boss and we're playing golf this Saturday. <laughs> I found out he doesn't have a face or he doesn't have a LinkedIn profile because I tried to cite him yesterday. Uh, so he probably doesn't see these things. Uh, I'll tease him about that. But he, he used to. I remember one time we were working on the catalog, and this was before we really had, uh, you know, we really had full what you see is what you get uh, capability. You know, we would have to run galleys of type, and for a long time we would have to, we would have just pages of text, and we'd have to send them to the typesetter, and then they would type them in with the codes and stuff, and get them into column. Uh, spacing and and things like that and uh and then we'd get them back in long strips and and we would have to run those through the through the waxer and then we would glue them down and if there was a change we would have to exacto knife out the word and get a new and get a new word and i remember him noticing you know the copywriters would oftentimes start with the manufacturer's copy and I know I hit dismiss on this, but it doesn't. I knew this was going to happen today, but I don't know what to do about it. My alarm is going off, and I really honestly don't know how to stop it. We'll just throw it across the room so you can't hear it. There goes my clock. I'll keep hearing it, but you won't. Uh, I accidentally swiped the wrong way because my phone was on the stand upside down. Um... So anyway, we would we would have to cut the words out, but they would start with manufacturer's copy, and and he noticed that the word gray was spelled two different ways, G-R-E-Y and G-R-A-Y. Both are acceptable, um, but, you know, I don't know, for what, whatever reason. And so we, we went through, through and made them all consistent. I don't remember which way we made them. And then about a week before everything was due, he had us change them back. The other way, whether it was E or A, I don't remember. <laughs> I think I have an article somewhere that was, is talking about when I was doing a press OK at Christmas Eve uh, and the printer's Christmas party was raging around me because we would always try to get in the mail the week between Christmas and New Year's so that we would be hitting uh, in the first week or so of January because that's when new budgets come out and everybody has money. Uh, especially in small business. And um, I got to thinking that I would love to run a test, a head-to-head -head test with the catalog as it was, say, six weeks early 
and the catalog as it was after we had fixed all of the little details and changed them and then changed them back and then changed them back. So anyway, Tom Fishburne says, marketers get tired of their advertising before consumers do. Right. And if you write copy, you write articles, if you write books, you'll be tired of it way before it ever gets to the people. It's certainly true that clients throw away brand assets too too early. Okay. In 2009, um, PepsiCo apparently decided to revamp Tropicana's uh, packaging and their sales went down uh, 20% as a result. And uh, PepsiCo said, we thought it would be important to take this brand and bring it or evolve it into a more current or modern state. Sales dropped 20%. Tropicana backed off saying, we underestimated the deep emotional bond they had with the original packaging. That's probably not at all what happened. Probably what happened was people said, where's the Tropicana? It's like, I I make my my vodka sours with 50/50 and it's not in the stores anymore. I can't find it anywhere. And it may be that they just relabeled it and rebranded it and I don't I can't find it. You know, my wife sends me to the grocery store and uh I was getting some um some kind of fake chicken. And there's my maybe 6 or 10 different kinds of fake meat from this uh morning morning Something about morning, <laughs> morning blend or something like that. And, uh, you know, I've got my camera and I'm going through the shelves and she says, well, try over there. And I'm going, you know, finally she finds it. Uh, I can't find it. So, you know, a little bit of speed bump in the buying process can really destroy the process. If you decide to make your box, you know, like WhatsApp, when you when you aren't logged in properly, changes its little symbol on the tab to red. I don't know why they do it. I'm always looking for the green one. It's not green, it's red. For some reason, they've, they lose me. And, you know, Scott Adams said, software developers are continually trying to make you stupid in changing that stuff. So it's not so much brand consistency as it is making it easier to buy the stuff, right? I, I don't know much about branding, and I've said this often. It's a Ritson thing. But um, the hallmark of great marketers is is taking a brand to the next level without changing it. And I think there's something to that. So inside the mind of the consumer, my husband, my kids, friends, Fifi, home, sunsets, travel, me, mom, dad, careers, career. I don't see our... <laughs> I don't see our brand of pickle relish anywhere. It's inconceivable. This is a brand loyalist. What we do, the reason we pick a brand is it simplifies the buying decision. And so if you complicate it by changing it all, we might as well grab the generic. We might as well go to Aldi. Just buy whatever they got because it'll be okay. Uh, Anyway. We need to change the packaging. We need to change the advertising. We need to change the agency. That's the CMO. And then the CEO says, we need to change the CMO. Yeah, and that's, you know, the average tenure of a CMO, they track this. It's about 18 months. So have fun while it lasts. Um, Brand reputation. So here's a little bitty tree. This got cut in half. Here's a little 
sprout. Here's a sapling, they would call it. A small tree, big tree, monster tree. Oops. They all and, and notice they all have the saws and an axe. Everybody's standing around. Oops. How long will it take our PR agency to rebuild our reputation? Next quarter? It's not just that. It's not what your brand just what your brand stands for. It's even just how easy is it to find it? Okay, so that's enough of it. And here's uh, an article by Forbes: Twelve Good Reasons to Leverage More Traditional Advertising. Eh, this isn't that good. I'll I'll read a couple of them. But what it basically, it, you know, it says: Although it is true that digital campaigns measure the effectiveness of efforts more precisely often with statistically insignificant uh, numbers and without context and without vi uh, valid split testing with self-selecting uh, sample sets. All those things happen in digital. If, and one thing you never know in digital is you don't know who engaged and didn't buy. You know who engaged and bought, and you have to take your, the word of Facebook or Google about who they sent it to and you can make really no assumptions exactly about who saw it. So don't tell me it's more precise. It's less precise. It can't do nearly what mail can do. But anyway, besides that, didn't like that. Um, you can use print as an educational opportunity for the old parents. Uh, you can reach specific groups. You give. You have a tactile experience. Now this was b bizarre. Apparently. A great example is the IKEA magazine ad for a baby crib that could also be used as a pregnancy test. And I'm thinking, why would you use a baby crib as a pregnancy test? No, it was the ad that was the pregnancy test. Oh, okay, I get it. Peeing on this ad may change your life. So you could apparently tear it out of the thing and pee on the ad and then know about the... And then after you've peed on it, what, take it to the store? Oh, I hope it had a QR code. You can't do that in a digital channel. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we better go on. Uh, and there's a bunch of other ideas. Um, so here's here's a really good article by by Andy Wood in the drum. What he says, this is the best line is right here, the first one. If the pandemic experience has taught the retail select sector anything, it is stick to the fundamental principles of good marketing practice. I see so many so many articles that say because of the pandemic because of the pandemic we have to change everything we have to reinvent everything we have to uh you know plunge into digital and all that sort of thing no the fundamentals still apply you know amazon kind of made that case that uh it's the it'll that change you know the internet changed everything you know it didn't you still have to make some, you know you still have to sell it for more than you bought it from because you've got overhead you got you got you got to make people aware of your new product and you've got development like the robots and all the rest of it um, and of course all retailers should have been segmenting which they're not believe me believe me they're not they don't also they don't differentiate the advertising to their existing customers to their versus their uh, versus their prospects most could use mail to do that, but they don't. Um, all communications should have a commercial purpose in mind, retain high-value customers, and uh, move less valuable customers up the value chain. I think that's really profound. This is a profound article. I like this, Andy.
<clears throat> so what has happened? Well, there's longer online consideration periods, and this is where mail can really shine because uh, mail ha can hang around for two weeks or three weeks, or on my desk it could be almost forever. And so, um, you know, what I do is I save it because I need to call somebody. Like I got to call Uline, and I got to return a box I had. There's my Uline catalog, big as life. It also works as a cutting board if you want to cut apples. See, here's my knife. <coughs> Excuse me, I have heartburn from my eggs. I got off the Dormition fast, and now I have to be careful because I go right back to spicy foods and things. Um, so anyway, customers, it's been observed that customers or, pro or prospects receiving direct mail go to the web. Right, and you know, with your attribution models, oftentimes the web will take credit. The web will say, well, it's the first we've seen them. So we're, it must be the website, the beautiful website that's driving the traffic. Right? Be careful how you do attribution. Most of it's bunk. The only right way to do attribution is with, is with holdout testing. And the problem is you can't holdout test your website. You can holdout test your digital advertising, but the impact of any one ad is so small that it'll probably, you probably won't even notice. Procter & Gamble paused or cut their digital budget by 40% and their sales actually went up. Keep that in mind. Okay. But then nine-tenths of them use an offline method. So they go back to offline. And if and if that isn't tracked well, then web gets all the credit. Gets the credit of the mail and the credit of the call center, etc. Content is becoming increasingly important, and that's something you can do in mail because you have uh, oftentimes a lot of space. It's not just a banner or something like that. Um <coughs> because of the delayed reaction, content delivered by direct mail gets has a chance to work. The customer journeys are becoming more complex. Google even admitted that a couple of months ago. They put out a paper and said, we don't really know what happens. We see the first time they search for something, and we see if they bought, but it's a mess. And the way to verify that is think about your own customer journeys. They're a mess. If you can't predict you, don't think you can predict me. Right. So uh, if you don't have a near real time view, and of course, that's a uh, that's a euphemism. All data is historical. It, you can only analyze it after it's happened, after the fact. It's all a historical analysis. And uh, the, the key to great marketing is not to react to individual customer nuances. The key to great marketing is to consistently build into the brain of your target market so that when they need it, when they make the decision to buy, they think of you first. That's that's the traditional method. You know, listen to Andrew Ettinger. He he works with HVAC contractors. You know, your HVAC is probably working right now or your, it isn't on right now. But one of these days, it's probably not going to work because eventually everything stops working. The, the, the guy you want to be is the guy who comes to mind. Andrew tells a story of a, of a guy in Connecticut who, who mails, I don't know, 20,000 pieces a month or something, and he just keeps mailing them postcards year after year after year. <clears throat> and when a hurricane hits, he can't handle all the work. And you know what? Most of the time he can't handle all the work because he does good work. And when something happens, people know they probably have it magnetically stuck to the refrigerator. That's the guy you want to be, not the guy who, because I typed water heater exploded, 
they think they can get there faster than the person that's already in my mind. You can't beat recall. Have a great day. Something to think about. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.